0: This is Causing Friction. This is the podcast where we get a little uncomfortable, a little awkward on our journey of healing through mindfulness and becoming self-aware. This week's episode, I'm interviewing Haley Narvaud, a breathwork facilitator and podcast host of The Unfiltered Soul. Haley is also giving our listeners 50% off online breathwork with her as your facilitator just use the code cf50 at her checkout on her website welcome back to the podcast everyone Haley, thank you so much for joining me today how are you doing
1: thank you so much for having me on here danny i'm so excited to be here i love being a guest and so i don't do it as often but i'm so happy to be here i am well i'm well today (laughs)
0: Good. I'm so happy to hear that. And Haley has joined us today and is sharing this space because of a new venture that she has taken on that I have been following very closely and I find so admirable and perfect for kind of where I think this podcast is heading. And even my own personal journey of healing is heading. So we're going to talk today, everything about breath work. Um, So Haley, why don't you start with kind of explaining breath work, a couple different components, because I know there are a few different styles of breath work and how it assists in the healing process and why it is so powerful.
1: Yes. So first I want to say again, thank you. Um, and it kind of goes along with like people are watching, you know, sometimes I'm on the space, Instagram, my own podcast, and I'm like, do people even care? And so when you just said that, I'm like, oh yeah, no, it was a great reminder for myself that like people are watching and to keep doing what you're doing. So I'm taking that and receiving that. So thank you. Uh, I kind of needed a little bit of that like validation, but um, just for myself, I'm going to kind of take it back a little bit. 2020 was heavy. Right. And so I got this download to go into Reiki and to become a healer and to help people process some of these emotions that they might not even know what they have. Really tapping into being an empath myself and just setting my own boundaries and, you know, grounding every day and protecting my own energy, especially as I tap more into the spiritual space, the healing space. And you know, it's a constant learning for me, um, but it's exciting. And so that's my biggest thing is like just to hold space for people and to share what I know. Right. And I'm there. I'm always going to continue to learn, but just kind of sharing what that is and what that looks like and hopefully making it digestible for people to understand, because sometimes you hear words or you hear phrases and it's like, do the work but what is the work right like that was my biggest question like well what does the work actually look like and that the work looks like so many different ways and so one of the easiest ways for me to quote unquote do the work is through meditation is through breath work is through um seeing a therapist which i have after this interview um and i'm very open about that but back to your question as to what is breath work so Ultimately breath work is just a big umbrella term, um, for breathing and using your breath to move energy. Um, everybody you're listening, we're talking, we're breathing. You're doing essentially breath work right now. There are so many different types of breath work and they're all different. Really? I was trained through revelation breath work, which is pretty much, they call it a two-step breath where you breathe through your mouth and you do a belly, chest, and then an exhale, everything through the mouth for about 30-ish minutes. And what that does is it activates the sympathetic nervous system. And we can go into the parasympathetic and the sympathetic soon, but what it does is it activates the sympathetic nervous system, allowing you to tap into different parts of your body different parts of your unconscious. So you can move through that energy and allow your body to acknowledge it, whether you know it's happening or not. And so you can allow yourself to release it. So I'm going to pause there. I want to make sure I'm speaking well. I want to make sure that's understandable and digestible before I move on.
0: (laughs) No, that was great. I appreciate you starting kind of from the the beginning and breaking it down further. And I also appreciate that you paused about the nervous system because I think that is my most intriguing part of all of this. I have to say everyone is breathing all the time. I understand, but harnessing and controlling your breath is extremely powerful. And I think we share a very similar kind of form of healing in the sense of it's meditation it's breathing, it's slowing down and being a little bit more in control. That is the best form of healing for us. So why don't we go into those nervous systems and how this is going to play a role in healing and specifically related maybe to trauma since trauma does damage the nervous system and it does cause a lot of uh, disconnect between the nervous system and our brain and hence kind of the disassociative um, part of trauma.
1: Absolutely. And I don't know if you noticed, I know this is being recorded video, but you're probably listening. Um, I did that pause selfishly for me. I could feel my own sympathetic nervous system getting up there, getting anxious, getting excited. And I paused and I took a deep breath while you were speaking. And so that's just kind of some simple ways that I use breath work, right? Like it's just bringing awareness back to your breath. So let's break down the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system really quickly. So the sympathetic nervous system is the fight flight system. It makes you can feel anxious. You feel like you have to protect yourself. You feel like you know you just kind of need, you know, we're not being chased by a lion. So we don't need to tap into that system on our day-to-day basis, but a lot of us do without knowing it stress, um, breathing through your mouth can induce it. So if you like have a stuffy nose and you're breathing through your mouth or you're talking a lot, like I am right now, like I'm activating my own sympathetic nervous system just by talking with excitement and breathing through my mouth because I'm talking right now. And that's, you'll, you'll notice me like pause and take deep breaths just to calm myself back down, which brings me to the parasympathetic nervous system. And that is the rest and the digest and the calming, the relaxing, the healing part of breath work. And so we use breath work. And it is a form of meditation, but if you have a hard time meditating, it's an active form of meditation. So if you can't get those thoughts to, you know, it's not about stopping the thoughts, right? And I think this is something that's hard or difficult to digest when somebody is trying to learn how to meditate or they they're trying to do it their first few times and they just can't do it. It's not about stopping the thoughts. The thoughts are always going to happen. It's observing and letting the thoughts go for me. And so with breath work, you're actively doing something. So you're actively paying attention to your breath and that just allows you to get out of your head and into your body and it, and you can tap into those different parts way quicker. And so I really want to read the book. Oh goodness. What is it called? Trauma stored in the body, pain is stored in the body. Do you know what you know what I'm yep. talking about?
0: the body keeps score the
1: body keeps score yes thank you it's in my
0: i know exactly what you're talking yeah, about it's
1: in my amazon cart i have so many books right now on my kindle i'm reading about four different books right now and i'm like i just have to like finish the books and then download this book because it's true and whether you know it or not the body does keep score your body holds on to so much uh when it comes to trauma and sometimes you just can't talk that out. You know what I mean? You have to do, you have to move your body. You have to wiggle, you have to dance. You have to do the yoga or the workouts or the or the whatever it is to, to move these spaces. And I didn't know what that meant for a very, very long time. And I've been doing yoga, I'm 33. Well, I will be 33, but I've been doing yoga since I was 18. And I remember the very first probably two or three times I did camel, which if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a back bend on your knees. So you're on your knees and then you're like backbending and then like trying to touch your ankles. And so it's a big back bend. It's a big front stretch, a big front release, a big chest opener. And the first like two or three times I did that posture, I cried and I had no idea what was happening. I just in this, in this yoga room, you know, you're supposed to be quiet or whatnot. And I had such an expansive like release in my chest and there's so much we can go into, but I was holding on to so much and I'd never moved my body in that way. I'd never opened up my chest in that way physically. And it just came out. So just allowing your body to move and to stretch and it can look differently. You could be running. That's another one that I've um, just kind of cried or if you if you are a runner, notice how your mind kind of taps into somewhere else. Like you just kind of go with it. And so by using the breath and allowing your body to go wherever it needs to go, you can start to unlock some of those spaces. even if you don't actually remember what some of those memories are, you can actually move just breathe through them and they can just remove. And it's kind of like healing your chakra systems. I don't know if you know what that is, but we all have seven main chakras, plenty more in the body. And if you just breathe in and have the intention to breathe into certain spaces in your body, and like I'm closing my eyes, but like actually see yourself moving through those spaces with your breath, you have the power to really heal. And I don't have the words for it. I I do plan on becoming trauma informed in the future. I'm not trauma informed currently, but I do know the body keeps score. I do know that we hold so much pain in our body. And I know that if we were to slice our bodies from head to toe, right in half, right side, left side, I do know that our right side is our more masculine side. And I do know that our left side is our more feminine side. And so just for, just for an example, last week I was in an upset with my mother and something happened. I think I just walked wrong and I I don't want to say sprained but something happened and all of a sudden my left foot my left ankle area I had pain in it and I'm like huh that's so interesting because I'm such in an unstable relationship with my mother at this moment even though we have a great relationship but we were in an upset you know and then I just had this like deep pain of just unbalance in my leg in my ankle area and so I grew, I knew at that moment, I'm like, I have to rekindle. I have to apologize. I have to own my side of the street with my mother. And then once I did that, you know, I didn't really have any more pain in my ankle, which is always fascinating. I know it gets a little woo woo. Some people believe it. Some people don't, if you do great, if you don't, that's okay. Toss it out the window, but I've had so many of these experiences. To where I just can't deny it. I completely
0: understand where you're coming from. I think that through this journey of mindfulness, one of my biggest takeaways was just learning where my body stores its pain and its hurt and its discomfort from my emotions and my mental state and connecting those and understanding my body. Mm-hmm. And it has been the biggest lesson for me because I was the biggest avoidant. I had years of trauma that I wasn't ready to face. And once I started my mindfulness journey and I still wasn't 100% ready to face it, but I at least was open to receiving help and healing just little daily tasks almost and daily emotions and dealing with that. So then I can Mm -hmm. eventually get to the big one. I noticed parts of my body loosening, becoming more flexible I just noticed certain pains going away Mm -hmm. and it was extremely fascinating for me, but it also kind of felt like, of course, of course, this is all connected. Of course, this makes so much sense that Mm -hmm. I carry my pain and I carry my discomfort and I carry my emotions in this specific part of my body. It makes sense. And for me, mine is always my head, neck, shoulders, Mm -hmm. and I will feel Mm -hmm the tension build up in those areas when I am ignoring actual emotional discomfort and I just hold it there and I can feel my whole body tense. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I have a knot in a specific part of my body. I have headaches for days on end. I have all of these actual physical pains that while I Mm -hmm. am now self-aware, I can look at and say, okay, what is bothering me? I'm ready to deal with it. I'm ready to assess my situation. And everything is so incredibly connected. And when you realize that and you become in tune with your body, I think that is where breath work can really become a component to help you express and expel. And Mm -hmm. that is also what I wanted to discuss with you and I'm so happy that you even just brought it up naturally because it's clearly a huge component is breathing into certain areas of your body, learning how to tune into that and get rid of those emotions. Or if you can't fully expel them, feel them where you need to feel them and work them through your body. So you're not just holding on to it in a specific area.
1: Well, yes, I love the, the saying what you resist persists. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think I did. What you resist, persists. So it persists. So if you don't acknowledge it, it's going to keep coming and it's going to get louder and louder and louder and louder. So for another example, I am still a hairstylist, but way back in the day, probably we'll say eight-ish years ago, I was in a salon in Beverly Hills in a very toxic environment. I was very unhappy. I drank a lot. I partied a lot. I was unhappy and I didn't know what to do about it. And I was broke and just all of the things. And so I had this pain in my wrists and I was 23. Oh my God, it was more than eight years ago. It was like 10 years ago. I was 23 and wow, time flies. I was 23, but I had um, tendinitis in both of my wrists and I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, I'm so young. I'm very on, like very early on in my career. What am I going to do with my life? I went to occupational therapy. I went to physical therapy. My therapist at the time was like, you have to quit. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what else am I gonna do? I didn't go to college. I don't have the confidence to do anything else. This is what I want to do with my life. I'm happy doing it, or so I thought. Um and so I I went to work every day and finally like I worked out a plan to where. I was going to leave. I ended up getting fired a whole different, whole different time in my life. But, um, as soon as I left within a week, my tendonitis went away and I had a doctor who wanted to give me cortisone shots. I had a doctor who wanted to do surgery and was like, if you don't fix this now, it's never going to go away. 10 years later, I have zero pain in my wrist. And it was just the fact that my body was telling me I was unhappy. I was unhappy where I was. I wasn't getting paid what I was worth. I, I didn't have the confidence. Like it was just to the point where I couldn't even hold my scissors and my, and my comb anymore. Like they would drop two to three times while I had a client in my chair. Like it was getting to a point where it was really bad. And then all of a sudden for me to leave that space, to take myself out of that space and for it to be completely gone within a week or two, like mind blowing. So If you have pain in your body, I promise you, and I don't want to scare you because sometimes it can be hard to look at. Like I went through years of pain uh, before actually moving on and deciding it was time to go. Um, I invite you to look and see what area in your life you're not satisfied with. And it's a, again, I said, it's a big one to like look into, so don't feel pressured to do it right now, but just an open invitation, a gentle open invitation to like take a scan of your life and see where you're at and see how you can, you know, make a change or, you know, make a plan to do something or have, have that area in your life start to become more in in alignment with yourself. And I don't know if I just totally veered off the question, (laughs) but I trust that whoever needed to hear that needed to hear that for a reason.
0: No, I believe that's definitely in here for a reason. And along the lines of discussing kind of pain and almost involuntary movements, I wanna discuss what actually happens in the breathwork sessions from a standpoint of, physical reactions people can have to breath work. Because like you said, there is a really common form of breath work where it is active. And that means maybe you're doing it alongside yoga or meditation. However, there is the much more intense Mm -hmm. side of it. And I really want to touch base on that because first, I find it fascinating that our body do our bodies react in such ways. But also I want to hear from your perspective now as a facilitator, what this looks like and why it essentially happens.
1: Yeah. So what I think you're referring to is tetany where you, you, you might get lobster claw hands is what they call it, or your face might do something like this. Exactly. So not everybody experiences tetany um i think the number is like anywhere from like 30 to 50% of people experience B and what it is is there's an alkaline shift in your body so your your body becomes a little bit more alkalized due to the inhale and the exhale so you're just inhaling a little bit more and exhaling quite a bit more and what i tell people whenever they come into um either a one-on-one session or a group session in person or online i always let them know. First off, I have them sign something because there are contradictions to breathwork, uh, which you can find on the website on my website. I have them, you know, just kind of acknowledge that they've read that talk to your doctor. But ultimately what I tell people before they have their first session is that I'm not doing anything to you and that you are the one breathing. And so tetany to get back to tetany, Again, it's when your body and your blood start to alkalize and your hands might go into little lobster claws. Sometimes it can be painful. It it just depends on the person. Um, I actually don't experience tetany, but I do experience a lot of tingling in my fingertips and my nose. And so when that happens, I will encourage you to breathe through it, right? Again, back to what you don't, pay attention to is gonna keep coming back. So I invite you to breathe through that if you can. Again, you're doing the breathing. Nothing is happening to you. All you're doing is breathing. Um, If you are comfortable pushing through that, push through that because you have to move through that. If it's uncomfortable whatsoever, it's totally okay to stop doing the breath pattern and to take a couple of deep inhale breaths and to just kind of pull back usually though it is some form of resistance and technically from one of the books that I read I think it was called the reluctant healer whenever your hands I'm doing this motion whenever your hands go into knees it's because your heart needs to open because our bodies are just so connected in that way is that typically there there's a there's a blockage in your heart chakra and funny enough Not funny at all, but I was in a private session and I noticed my client's hands were doing the whole lobster quaffing. And I told her to breathe into her heart. Immediately her chest rose, her head tilted back and she started breathing and I could see the rest of her body relax. So she just kind of moved through that space. She trusted her body enough to move through that space and allow whatever needed to release, release. Again, not everybody experiences it, just a, a fluctuation in your body's um, becoming a little bit more alkaline. If you're uncomfortable, it's totally okay to slow down the breath pattern. It's not something that you have to do. You're doing the work, essentially. Nobody's doing anything to you. And um, I'm just there to facilitate for you and to hold space and to, to let you know that you're safe and that you're, you're not alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have to say that I haven't experienced that yet. Uh, I also haven't had a personal one-on-one breathworking session. I've only Mm -hmm. ever done active during a yoga class. So I'm super intrigued to have my own personal experience with this. What would you advise would be the best breath work for a client? What kind of motions would you go through to assess what they really need, what their goals are and what their kind of healing process could look like? What is the best approach for assessing? Mm
1: -hmm. So ultimately when somebody books a, a, a breathwork session, it's, it's what they want to work on. I don't necessarily say it's like a therapy appointment, but I do ask the question, like there's a whole consultation before of like, what brought you here What do you want to work on? What do you notice yourself uh, resisting? What do you notice yourself just kind of, it's that time and that place for you to be completely honest with yourself. And this is something even more so a deeper honesty with yourself than in therapy. You cannot hide from your own shit. Your shit's going to come up and it's up to you if you want to tap into it or not. And if you don't tap into it, You can't move through it. It's never going to go away. You can only sweep it under the rug for so much. And I think that's one thing that I love about breathwork so much is that I can't hide from myself. I can't hide from my past. I can't hide from anything that I've done, said, experienced. I just kind of have to move through it. And then again, I'm such a big advocate for therapy. I love it. I get to take whatever I've experienced and if I have a hard time processing it, I can take it into my therapy session and process it even further but chances are to be completely honest with you i've had so many aha moments oh my goodness and i find a breathwork session really fun i laugh i cry i scream i dance like i when i facilitate i facilitate to to music and so it can be a real fun party. <laughs> Sometimes I notice myself just having a great time. And again, that's a form of release. Your body's moving and allowing it to shake and getting out whatever it needs to get out. And
0: that's amazing. I'm glad that you enjoy what you do as well. It's incredibly important. And I know that everyone is going to experience yeah. breath work differently. And it's never going to be the same. And it's not a one-size-fits-all approach either. And I think you saying that honesty is the most important component of it is the truth. Just like any kind of self-development or any kind of work you need to do on yourself, you can't do it unless you're honest with yourself or with a facilitator that is trying to help you. There's no point in trying to hide certain parts? Because like you said, your body is going to make sure that it comes out, whether you like it or not, it's coming out. So (laughs) you might as well just be honest and upfront and face it. And something that I talk about a lot is shame and how everything is kind of rooted from shame. And how do you see in clients that, Overcoming shame can really be assisted with breathwork.
1: I've never actually had somebody talk about shame in a breathwork session. What I've noticed after sessions and after groups is that each person has just a deeper love for themselves. Unconsciously, they have just kicked shame out the window but I love that you bring that up. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to ask. I'm going to have to incorporate that. I'm going to have to contemplate that honestly, because everybody, uh, what happens is I see a lot of people hug themselves, like physically hug themselves, the very last portion of That's the breath work, and become so much more self-compassionate and self-loving and ultimately just a lot of forgive like a lot of self forgiveness
0: that's where i think that the shame probably comes into play to be honest because we hold ourselves so accountable for all of our mistakes and while that is a good thing we should when we don't actually face that accountability and we ignore it for so long we have this bank of shame that just keeps growing and growing and growing And when you finally give yourself permission to forgive and to forget is when I think we can finally be confident, we can finally heal, we can finally love ourselves on such a deeper level. And that is the best side of healing you can be on is when you have that compassion and you have that deep love for yourself because you realize how human you are. You realize that you've made mistakes, but you don't carry your shame so damn heavy every single day.
1: I love, I love that you've made me think about that. I really do. Like that's something like, oh, it, it was a breath of fresh air, honestly. Cause now I'm like thinking about like my own shame and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I do get to let it go. I do get to recognize that I am human. I do get to take accountability for my thoughts, my actions, things that I have done that I'm not proud of and forgive myself. And that honestly, that was my ticket into breathwork was forgiveness. I struggled so hard just until two years ago with forgiveness, forgiving other people and ultimately forgiving myself. And it was in a breathwork session where I was like, I had a moment of like, Oh, it can be that simple. It was mind blowing, like, okay. And I, I don't know if other people experience this or not, but like, I hear downloads and I see words. And so I don't even remember what the words were when I was learning self-forgiveness in that very first breathwork session, but it was like, that's okay. Like something just clicked for me. And then I've been on a mission ever since. That's beautiful,
0: though. <laughs> I'm so proud of yourself for giving yourself the forgiveness that you clearly deserve. And I think that is deeply related to shame. And I 100% encourage you if you are willing to sit with that for a little to try. I know that's not, oh, I'm <laughs> yeah. <going through. laughs> I know it's not easy to just be like, okay, what is everything I'm ashamed of? It's like, oh gosh, where do I yeah. start? Because it starts from yeah. a really early age. And there's a lot of things that mm-hmm. we know we shouldn't be ashamed of because it was maybe a really small mistake. But for some reason, our brain doesn't want us to let it go. And it could be five in the morning, you're trying to sleep and mm-hmm. you wake up from a dream and you're like, oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that happens to me. Yeah. So often, I very, very, very often will wake up from sleep um, or be trying to sleep. And the most random mistake will pop into my head and I'll just be like, oh no. <laughs> and yeah. it's just a matter of I haven't taken the time to process and forgive myself for that shame. And I carry it with me. And I give it so much weight when, like you just said, it's so easy. It really can be that easy to forgive yourself.
1: There's this one um Hawaiian phrase that I want to get, I want to learn a little bit more about. I've I've heard it on some webinars. I've seen it in some books, but I haven't actually like dove into it. And it's Ho'oponopono, Ho'oponopono. Have you heard of that?
0: Ho'oponopono. Yeah. Po-no. Mm-hmm. Hawaiian practice of forgiveness functions as both a communication concept for reconciliation and a tool for restoring self-love and balance. Oh, that's so nice.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. Please forgive you. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And I totally, I have so much, like I said earlier, I have so much that I have, I want to learn and dive Mm -hmm. into. And I just not enough hours in the day. (laughs) I'm not learning quick enough. Oh my God. My liking (laughs) literally
0: doing this entire journey every single day. I'm like, I want to learn more. And I'm like, Hey, Mm -hmm. There's also mm-hmm. only so much I emotionally and mentally can take. Yeah, <laughs> I do need to then give implement. myself breaks.
1: Oh, right? absolutely. And then implement. We have to, we have to learn, and we have to implement. Like I wish I could just learn all day long, but then most of the learning is in the implement implementation,
0: <laughs> practice, and understand to fully also teach and expand. I honestly wish there was more hours in the day to do all of this, but there isn't. Um, okay, so
1: another- But it's never ending. Like the journey's never ending. We have literally a lifetime to continue learning.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, the style of breath work that you specifically are facilitating at the moment and what a typical session would look like. And then also- I know that there's a little bit of a concern with breath work sometimes about hyperventilating. I know for people who suffer with panic attacks, Mm -hmm. that is a very, very common, um, sometimes misconception, but also, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not an expert, so I can't say this does or doesn't happen, which is why I would love to hear from you, but is it even possible? Like breath work is so intense and I assume, When you're trying to breathe into certain centers, it is possible to hyperventilate, but also you're in a controlled setting and you're safe. So I'd love to hear about your style of breath work, kind of go through the motions of that, and then um, any experience around hyperventilating and those with panic attacks, how they can maybe feel a little bit more secure and safe looking into breath work.
1: Mm -hmm. So I have one person that I'm working with right now, and she does have panic attacks, and we haven't actually had a breath work session, Um, but I've been walking her through just a different breathing technique, which is so simple. You can do it every day, all day long, if you remember. And um, she just messaged me back a couple of days ago saying, because she was afraid to go on a flight, she was, you know, going to Hawaii, like just all the anx all the anxiety, and I think because I'm not saying her name, like she is on medication to help to help with it, and she's trying to get off the medication um, because she doesn't like the way she feels, and you know, just she doesn't ultimately want to be on uh, medication. So we were talking about it, and you know, I said I don't think I don't know if you're ready for a full on breathwork session just yet, but why don't you try? doing this and so I had her set um, alarms on her phone to remind her to breathe because we're breathing all day long and if we're not actively like paying attention to it, we're just gonna continue breathing how we breathe. And so if you have panic attacks, if you have a lot of anxiety is to try and get ahead of it before you actually get into that moment right once you get into that moment it's harder to get out of it and so, Think of this as kind of like a preventative. (laughs) So you don't have to. So in the hopes that you're not going into that panic mode. And so what I did, what I had her do was breathe in through her nose. So take a deep belly breath in through her nose for a count of four seconds and exhale through her nose for about eight seconds. And so you want the exhale to be twice as long as the inhale. But you want the breathing to be very, very slowly. So if you're driving, if you're walking, like just try it. So go ahead and inhale through your nose and just focus on breathing down into your belly instead of your chest. And then slowly exhale and just kind of notice your body relaxing a little bit more. And anytime you breathe in through your nose instead of your mouth, and into your belly instead of your chest, you're activating that parasympathetic rest and digest nervous system. Um, So that's something that I always recommend, like super easy to do, do it three to five times, especially like, this is something that I used to do before going to bed, when I would have trouble going to sleep, I would aim to do it 10 times and about seven or eight, I'd already been passed out. <laughs> so it's really great to do right before bed.
0: So what I also was asking, uh, um, if that is the best form of breath work in your opinion for preventing panic attacks. Um, I was also discussing hyperventilating mm-hmm. during breath work mm-hmm. because people are kind of concerned about, well, you're activating your breath, but I guess what you're saying is if you're activating in the wrong area, that is what, Yeah, could potentially have an onset panic attack during a session.
1: And then also if you are practicing to practice with a person one-on-one, that way you do have somebody's undivided attention and support. So they can support you if you do have a panic attack. Again, when we are going into a session, you are doing the breathing, you are doing the work. If you feel like you may have a panic attack, slow the breathing down and just try to get ahead of it before that moment. But yeah, just make sure that person that you're doing it with is fully, fully, fully grounded and like can support you. That's my, that's honestly like the only thing that I would recommend is just try to do it in person. So that person can be there to hold you what I'd like to do with my in-person. I, I'm, I haven't done it yet, but I'm, I'm toying around with the idea and asking questions um, about doing like groups online. I've gotten really good feedback, but what I do in person is I lay my hands on everybody's feet towards the end, just to bring that grounding energy back. And I know because I've done Reiki sessions online, like I know I have, we all have the intention to do that. And like light is a powerful, is powerful. Uh, I just haven't done that yet, but just to make sure like you come back into that grounded space and like making sure that the space is protected before you, you know, go somewhere. Like there's a lot that you want to have happen before you actually start breathing. So I like to say a prayer of intention. You don't have to have, you don't have to subscribe to any religion. Like it's, it's literally for any, anybody, like I, I pray to source just as a overall I don't want to offend anybody. So I prayed a source when I start a breathwork session. I asked for the divine light of love to fill, surround, and protect the space and to assist in the healing. And so I set all of these things up before we have a session. And in my last group, I had two or three people fall asleep because they were so relaxed after. And I was like, okay, it's 20 minutes after this, after our group. Are you guys okay? And they're like, we don't want to get up. And I'm like. I get it. You don't
0: have to. Yeah, it did. Thank you. And I think one more point I really wanted to touch on was why breath work? Why do we seek breathing? Why is it we can lean into such a simple task that we do on a regular basis to heal? I know that we discussed a little bit about panic attacks. So anxiety related, we discussed a little bit about trauma but what are some other reasons that someone can seek out breath work to help heal
1: clarity? Like that's one of my biggest things for myself practicing breath work, um, is clarity. I have so many aha moments, like, especially when it comes to business, like, what should I be doing? Who should I be serving? What should I say? And it's just kind of like, aha. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I heard profound like paragraphs download into me. And it's amazing, but also like depression and energy or sleep. Um, a lot of people practice it to just tap into their next level. So in my last, um, training that I did, I actually, when I was breathing ice, which was very, very powerful. And like, I can't describe, like, I can't really, I don't know how it works, but it's like, wow, I saw myself standing in a ring of fire and like standing in my power and like my shins were sweating. I got out of my session and my legs were wet. It was the weirdest experience I've ever had because I'm usually really cold, but for my, for my whole body to not be sweating, but just my shins and while I was in my breathwork session, like I saw myself like just kind of rising out of the ground and like standing in my power and like, yes, you're doing the right thing. This is exactly where you should be. And just having that confirmation for me. Amazing. But yeah, depression, uh, anxiety, just wanting to questions answered, clarity, sleep. Boost energy. I've heard people like say they can hear better. Uh, people use it to manifest. I had one client who, you know, she was pretty, she was pretty open, quote unquote, pretty open. And then I just noticed her body, you know, I, I look at your body while you're breathing and I'm like, just open your chest, be open to receiving. And then like the next day she like received like a scholarship or like something to like a coaching uh, program. And I was like, there you, you know, there you go. Like you are practicing, you're doing, you're embodying, like you are open to receiving. And so, so many things, so, so many things. And I think going into a breathwork session is like being clear on what you want to get out of it. Having that intention. Like I see better results when somebody who's very clear on their intention versus I just want to experience it. Yeah. Chances are, you're going to get out of it what you went in wanting to get out of it. So if you wanted to experience it, you're going to experience it. If you wanted to work on forgiveness, there is a lesson in that. If you have a question that you have, like you want answered, chances are you're going to get that question answered.
0: Yes. And I think kind of any practice around mindfulness and meditation, you get what you give Mm -hmm, Totally, and you need to go in with intention. And that comes back around full circle to honesty Mm -hmm. At this point, it's being honest with yourself because you don't need to necessarily vocalize with your facilitator what it is you want to work right. on if you're not comfortable. There's no need for you to dive into it if you feel like it is something that you are harnessing inside mm-hmm. of you. I do encourage people, though, if they are little uncertain and a little not fully clear on their intention going in to vocalize Mm -hmm. the intention just to confirm it and say it out Mm -hmm. loud to make the experience that much better
1: well and that way i can remind you or your facilitator can remind you while you're breathing Mm -hmm. because typically like if you're a beginner i start you out around 20 ish minutes of active breathing and like 20 minutes is It's quite a long time, but once, yeah, but once you've done it a few times and like, we'll play with that and see where you're at. Um, I agree. I like, I have sessions that are like 45 minutes long and that's a long time, Mm -hmm. but there's just so much that can happen. And in a shorter amount of time and a large amount of time, sometimes I actually have more ah ahas and like more answers in a 20 minute session.
0: Yes, I think it's extremely important to have that level of honesty with yourself, with your facilitator, if you're comfortable with it. But anything that we do in mindfulness is always with intention. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up because it's just a confirmation that intention in every little thing that you do is powerful. So incredibly powerful. And I think that this also comes back around to the fact that everything is cyclical. So just like not facing our problems, you'll come full circle right back in front of it if you try to run away. And I kind of hear that in what you're saying right now when you're saying if you don't have a destination, you're kind of just like all over the place. But you'll just end up back where you started if you don't have a clear path. Haley, thank you so much for this conversation. I appreciate you so much. This was honestly fun. Awesome. <laughs> I am thrilled.